Welcome back to Aliyah Yami. Today we're going to be learning Vayeshev Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Pashas Vayeshev. The Aliyah is on the topic of the sale of our brother. It's from Perek Lamenzain, Pasuk Chav Gimel to Perek Lamenzain, Pasuk Lamenvov, which is 14 Pasukim long. We're going to take a look at an overview and then some points to ponder. There's a lot to digest. So Yosef is, is, now arrives at his brothers. They strip him of his special coat and they uh, throw him into a pit, an empty pit, but the pit is only empty of water. It has all kinds of other creepy crawlies in it, as Mepharshim explained. And then they start to have lunch, and they see that there is an Orachas, Yishma'elim Ba'amigilad. They see an a, um, Arab trader caravan coming along, and they, uh, the, the traders have all kinds of different spices to take to go down to, to Egypt. Remember that Israel is the Fertile Crescent. It is the crossroads of civilization between Asia, Africa, and Europe. And so this is this is the trade route that they are on right now. So Yoda then turns to his brothers and says, what, what do we really gain from um, killing our brother and letting and covering his blood? Let's let's sell him to the Yishmaelim and we're not gonna uh, we, we shouldn't kill him. He's our brother, he's our flesh. And the brothers listen to Yoda. Um, in the meantime, we hear about the, the, there's, a, the, there's a group of Midianim, Midianim who are also traders, and, they, and we hear that someone pulls Yosef out of this pit and sells Yosef to the Yishmaelim for 20 silver, and uh, they take Yosef down to, the, to Egypt. In the meantime, Reuven returns, and Yosef just isn't there, and he tears Kriya, he rips his garments and is, as a statement of mourning, and he says, uh, where, where is he? How am I going to ever kind of come back, how, how am I going to present myself? So they take the, in the meantime, they, they take the coat of Yosef, they slaughter a goat, they dip the coat in blood, in the goat's blood, and they um, they bring it in front of their father, and they say, do you recognize this is your son's coat? Um, so setting up the framing, the situation, that he should come to the conclusion that he was killed, and he does recognize it, and he says, it's Kasonis Bani, it's the coat of my son, Chayaro Achalasoi. It must be that uh, he was consumed. Yosef has been killed. And uh, he tears his garments, he rents his garments, and he wears sackcloth, and he, for a very long time, mourns. And people try to, everybody tries to comfort him, but he's beyond comfort. He won't do this. He, and his father continues to cry for him. In the meantime, the Medanim sell him to Mitzrayim, to, and the, the, the destination of his cell is Potiphar, who is um, the Sarah Tabachim, who's one of the ministers in Pharaoh's palace. So let's let's try to understand what's going on. We have some basic points to ponder. Number one is, from Yehuda's language, it sounds like he thinks that they are going to still kill him. But wasn't the agreement that they were putting him in the pit? Why is Yehuda concerned? So the Ksavah Kabbalah, Rehakosi Mecklenburg, says a very beautiful thing, and that is, is that most of them for understand the statement as the following. What, what point? Well, we're like, we're not going to gain anything by killing him. So rather, let's just, you know, let's let's sell him and at least earn some money off of him. That's what it sounds like. And the the says says, to think that that the, the brother should or Yehuda should speak in such language. Rather, the notion is the following: the word better does not mean profit. The word better in this understanding means operation or outcome. He says. If we're going to leave in the pit and something happens to him, he gets cold, he gets hurt by an animal. Let's say something does happen to him and, and he does die. This is moving away from the Orachim's principle that we looked at in the last Aliyah. But let's say that he dies. We will be held culpable. We'll be held culpable for his death. So what's going to happen? The, the outcome of this is going to be that, Kira, that, that we're going to kill him. We're going to wear, the way he actually translates this is, that his blood will be our clothes. We'll, we'll always have the stains of his blood 
on our clothes, as in sort of in, the, in the, that, that later on reference of Lady Macbeth, as she looks at her hands and she can't get rid of that spot. What you you think you're gonna you're going to be able to sleep at nights for having left him in a pit and dying? No, let's let, let's ensure that he does live. Let's not let's not leave him to 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 his fate. That's what you heard is essentially saying. That's what Hara, the Ksava Kabbalah interprets this. Now, um, another question is, why does he suggest selling Yosef? So why is that the solution that he suggests? So Rav Cook says, in order to understand this, you need to go back one step. And that is, is to understand that the struggle here is not between two siblings. The struggle is over here between two ideologies. And that is the ideology of Rachel and the ideology of Leah. The Zohar HaKadosh teaches us that Rachel is what's known as Alma de Isgalia. She represents the world, the revealed world. And whereas Leah is Alma de Iskasia, the hidden world. It's interesting that we only hear about the physical description of Leah, that she, of Rachel, that she was beautiful. Leah, we don't hear anything except about her eyes. That's not a physical description of her. Rachel is buried outside on the on the on the road, whereas Leah is hidden in the Maras of Achpeda. Two different ideologies, and those ideologies reflect themselves in their children. Yosef is a child of Rachel, and he he is a person who is very much integrated into the world. And he he his looks, his the way as Rashi says at the beginning of the parish, he's a or Saira. He 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 is he's very keen on his own appearance. He has this beautiful coat. Um, whereas the other brothers are much more insular. They don't want to have to deal with the, the niceties of this world and the society which pro promotes them. The, uh, the fight over here is, is who's going to be the leader, which ideology is going to be the tone setter for the children of Yaakov. And the other brothers feel that Yosef's ideology is too dangerous. Yehuda's suggestion of the sale of Yosef, Yehuda as being the leader of, of the tri children of Leah, because remember the leaders, Shimon is in a certain sense lost his place because of his sin. Um, and Shimon and Levi have demonstrated their, their forceful anti-integration ideology when they murdered the city of Shechem. So they're very much the children of Leah. They don't want anything to do with the outside world whatsoever. Yehuda is sort of trying to balance that. Also says, well, let's let's see what happens with Yosef. Let's sell him down to the world and see what happens with his ideologies of being out there, being a person in the world. So it was almost an experiment for his ideology. And the truth is, it succeeded. Yosef does succeed. So this was actually an ideological struggle more than it was simply a practical matter of getting rid of a body, essentially. And so that's that's what's going on over here. There's more to talk about on this topic, but this is just an interesting framework to think within. Now, another question is, who actually sold Yosef? So it's actually a little ambiguous because if you look at the postdoc, which describes the sale, it, the, the pronouns are not absolutely clear. We're told the following, So there's Midianites, the traders, and they pulled Yosef out of the pit. And they sold Yosef to the Yishmaelim. Who is it that pulled him out of the pit? Rashi says the brothers of Yosef, of course. That was their plan. They were just talking about that just prior. However, the Rashbam says, no, if you follow the immediate pro, pro, proper noun in that sentence that precedes the pronoun of pulling Yosef out of the pit, it is referring to the Midianim who are Socharim. So that means to say that ultimately it was not the brothers of Yosef. They planned to, but they did not sell him. It was the Midianim who sold him to the Yishmaelim. The brothers didn't even get the profit from the sale as well. Nonetheless, it's attributed to them. So this is a very different way of looking at this whole experience. Was a to Rashbam, it was not a sale, the sale of the brothers, but it was the sale which the brothers enabled, yet still were culpable for as well. Now, where was Reuven that he was not here to know what's going on? Rashi gives the two suggestions. One is that it was his rotation turn to be with his father, so he'd gone back, and now he came back to Shem. Um, and that means it would suggest that it's a longer time period than we 
we perhaps might have imagined at the beginning, or it's also because he was in his process of fasting and wearing sackcloth for his sins. So on a daily basis, he would pray to to have um, expatriation for his sin, and that's why he came back at this point. The Bible says on a more basic level, it could be he knows that the brothers are planning on sending him to the Ishmaelim, so he kind of goes and hides around the side so that the Ishmaelim are coming from the one side, he's going to go around the other side to try to get Yosef out of the pit before that happens. And while that happens, the Mijanim come and this whole episode happens, and so he's not able to get there in time, so he is really trying to get there, but he's not there. That's what's going on over here. Another question is, what's the relevance of what the traders are actually carrying? We're told that they carry all these spices. Rashi says, well, usually the Arab traders would carry fuel substances, which are actually bad smelling, foul smelling substances. This time they were carrying beautifully smelling substances, and that was a that was a miracle. It was a small miracle. So Rocham asks a very basic question, like, why does he need a small miracle like that? Why is that necessary? At this point in time, I think in Yosef's perspective, he's being sold by his own brothers down to, uh, to, for the foreseeable future to Egypt. So why would he feel um, happy that he's got a good smell to accompany him? So Racham Shmonevitz explains that this is what's called the, the notion of the last small miracle being almost like a kiss, like a, a, a last connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hashem. He's sending Yosef into a deep and dark goddess, a very alone place, a place of abandonment. And yet, Akash Baruch Hu shows on the long way that I care about you. Something extraordinary is going to happen. A small extraordinary experience is going to happen. Racham Shulaz connects us to the reason why we say the fourth benching in, in Berkas Amazon, what's called Hatova Meitiv. That, that bracha was instituted much later than its the three original brachas, and that was after the Bar Kochba revolt and the massacres that occurred by, at the hands of the Romans in Beitar, the last sovereign stronghold of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel from the year 135 till the year 1948, um, the last sovereignty Israel had in the land of Israel. And it was uh, it, it was at that moment in time that the Romans didn't even allow the bodies to be buried. The Gomorrah tells us in Baba Basra until uh, and it was just it was a few months later that they allowed that to happen. And when they came to bury the dead, they found that none of the dead had biodegraded. There was been a small miracle. So again, why is such a uh, miracle necessary? It seems like an unnecessary miracle. So Rachel Shlomo says it's the same thing. It's the idea of a um, a last kiss, a last sign that, that things are, st- are still Hashem still is going to be with us even. Uh, in a very difficult and dark environment, 2,000 years of Golis as well. The Sassemis points out that Hanukkah, actually, historically speaking, is the last of the explicit miracles in Jewish history. And so it's also the, the doorway. It's the, the, the Hanukkah is at the doorway because Hanukkah is the doorway into the rest of history, which is much darker, which is why the miracle is so much more significance to accompany us. Finally, one last question is, why is it that Yaakov Vino cannot be comforted despite the efforts of his family? Rashbam says, because he could not overcome the regret he felt for having sent Yosef. So this is not about just mourning. This is also about his own regret. It's very hard for a parent to, to be able to over, overcome that guilt. The Targum Yonasan says because he saw in a vision that Yosef was alive and Yosef was struggling terribly in the circumstances he found himself in. Perhaps the idea is that Avelos is a natural process and when the, when the person isn't dead, he can't go through the natural process because he knows that he's struggling. He knows that he's alive. The time of Das, Rav Sternbach's commentary on the Torah actually points out that he is mourning the future loss of the fights of brothers. And that is the destruction of the base of All the goddess, all exiles going to be as a function of Jews not being able to get along with each other. And therefore, Yosef is really a model for the future problems that Claudius Yisrael is going to experience. And what Yaakov you know, cannot get over, he cannot you know, be, be consoled, is not just because of Yosef, but because of what everything in the future is going to hold, because of the same problem that occurred by Yosef, by this, by, by this terrible experience that Yosef has gone through. With this, we conclude the third idea. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day.